This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Bulabinaka and welcome to another week of Can You Be More Pacific? My name is Sarah Nangama and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Dean Halitau. Fakalofala here too and welcome to the show. It's great to be here once more. Sarah, haven't seen each other in the flesh for a long time. So Very long time. Great to be in the studio together. We've got plenty coming up in the next hour. We'll take a look back at the weekend in sport. We chat with Fiji Bati captain Kevin Nangama and we've got a new question for You Can Ask That. So there's lots to get through since we last catch up. What's been... Well, that's not even proper English. Since we last caught up, <laughs> what's been happening, says? Well, since we last caught up, I have returned to Australia from my World Cup campaign. Um, as we all know, the Wallaroos uh, were knocked out by England in the quarterfinals. So I did have a week after that to myself. So I travelled to Queenstown and experienced that. Very, very beautiful. And then uh, since then, came home and pretty much have hit the ground running with work again. So... Back to reality, my friend. Back to reality. What a place Queenstown is. Hey, it's a postcard. Even at the supermarket when you look out the window, yeah. it looks amazing. So did all the all the cool things, the canopy drop, helicopter ride, you know. Send yes. your canopy drop. Oh my God. Wasn't it insane? So you can choose your drop, right? And they have a whole menu. And I was like, you know what I think I want? I want someone to cut me off the rope. <laughs> it was so scary because you watch it in movies, right, all the time. So I thought I want to experience this for myself. But there are so many other ones. You can go down a slide. You can backflip off. You can ride a bike off as well. It was really? insane. But I was just like, you know, I'm just going to do this one time and one time only. Do it for the gram because otherwise it didn't happen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, go on with my life. So very happy I did it though. Very happy. Cut the rope. Yes. What about you? I know you've had a fair bit of travel. Yes, I just got back. I had a little bit of time off with the family over in Thailand, but previous to that, I was in uh, Amsterdam for a conference, the International um, Concussion Conference. So all the geniuses in the world that they talk about anything related to concussion come together and uh, they work on, uh, I think it's like every five years, they work on a new consensus paper that talks about what the latest information is around concussion in sports in particular and um, how to manage it and whatnot. So that was really interesting. A lot of really smart people in the room. And, um, yeah, I felt a little bit inferior being there, but it was a really good experience and uh, a lot to take in. I'm still going through notes trying to figure out how to put everything together. Um, but it was um, yeah, it was extremely worthwhile experience. Well, it's only fitting that you're with all the geniuses because, like I tell you, you're the second smartest man I know. So that's pretty cool. Well, there were 680-something people there, so I would have been the 680th smartest person there. <laughs> um, you're too harsh. You're too harsh. And the downtime <laughs> with the family was beautiful? Yes. I uh, went to Thailand. As I, as I, I think I just said that yes. at the top. Yeah, went to Thailand. It was um, good to, just to relax and have some fun, and the kids loved it. That was the main thing. The weather wasn't actually that good. It was overcast most of the time, but um, nevertheless, relaxing time with the family. Love it. Well, moving on to our top story for this week, and it comes in the form of rugby, the game that I certainly love. Fia Famasili, she's the former Black Ferns captain, and she's a multiple World Cup winner. She has been inducted into the World Rugby Hall of Fame along six other people. This is super exciting. She is a Samoan woman. She's been brought up in New Zealand. She has represented her nation five times at a World Cup, and in 2017, she actually lifted the silverware as well. So this is a huge huge milestone and 
To add to all of this accolade, she was just named as the first female president of Auckland Rugby. This is, this is massive news for her, and she, she played in five World Cups, did you say? Five World Cups. I can't even think of five World Cups right now. To be able to sustain like that performance or be able to be selected in the national side so often over five uh, World Cups, that's a, that's a huge span of a career, let alone to play at that level. Yes, she reading the article when she found out, which was only a few months ago, she actually kept the news to herself and only told her siblings so that when the announcement did come out, it would be, you know, big and special and it certainly has been. And I have fond memories of her growing up playing rugby, seeing her face. I mean, like I just associated her face with the Black Ferns and I think it's just quite cool to see someone that you looked up to um, be recognised in such a way. So a huge congratulations to Fio and what an achievement also for the Pacifica community. Yeah, certainly is. Well done, Fio. Great news. Now, staying with rugby and the Women's Rugby World Cup, I should say, heads into the final this weekend. Yes, they certainly do. Last week, the semifinals between the Black Ferns and France was something, something to watch. It really did come down to the last three minutes of this match where France had the opportunity to slot a goal right in front. But unfortunately, she missed, which puts New Zealand into the final against England, who won against Canada. That game too was amazing. No one was expecting Canada to put England to the sword. But right now, I believe England are about 30, 30 games on the trot. Who do you want to win? Between the Black Ferns and England, the way I see it is if England win, it's like, oh, okay, cool. Like you've continued <laughs> your streak. But I think if there is a side to upset them, it has to be the Black Ferns. And I think it would just be the fairy tale ending to what the Black Ferns have accomplished over New Zealand. A home World Cup, insane performances, not only in the pool rounds, but also in the final rounds. And uh, just the the growth that they have they've experienced as a team and as a nation to see women's rugby um, really put on a pedestal. I just think that New Zealand um, can get the job done. And I would like to, and I'm not, I'm saying this on air, I would actually like the Black Ferns to win against England because that'll be a, uh, That'll be one to just one for the ages. We've got to stick solid with the Southern Hemisphere team. So, a hundred percent. I like that. Yes, go the Black Ferns. Over to men's rugby, the Wallabies. They also took on France. This game ended 30-29 France's way. Now, this game in particular, no one was expecting Australia to win. France are currently ranked number two in the world, but the way that we certainly see them and Dave Rennie sees them is that they are world-class and certainly number one. Australia, they came out hard and fast and we knew in any way for them to be able to contain France, they needed to start first because their stats are like they don't score more than 10 points in the first half. So against a strong side like France, they needed to score early. And in all honesty, they started so strong. Lalakai Fakedi, he scored a try in the first half, which I reckon would definitely be the try of the season. But uh, unfortunately for them, they did fall short through some very, very poor decision-making. And Dave Rennie had this to say after the match. Um, look, I'm really wrapped with uh, the character and the attitude. Um, you know, no one really gave us a chance to come here to Paris and, and take on uh, a French side that's... You know, been very impressive over the last 15 months, and uh, and we talked about playing without fear, and you know, competing hard and throwing everything at them, and and uh, we did that for a big chunk of the game, and um, so yeah, no, disappointing outcome, but but proud of the effort. Uh, like I say, it's just a, it's a game of inches, isn't it? We uh, we got away with a tight one last week, and we finished second tonight. You can hear the disappointment in his voice. Yeah, well, and a, a, such a tight game. And uh, they've had a what, – what would you class – what would you give them so far on their 2022 season, the Wallabies, out of 10? What's What's been their scorecard? 
I think six out of six. ten. Okay. Oh, actually, I think it's a bit of harsh. Maybe seven out of ten. But that's just because I'm trying to be polite because you called me out. (laughs) (laughs) But the truth of the matter is the Wallabies right now, where they are, they're so competitive. Like Dave Rennie said, no one was expecting them to win. But if you watch that game back, they were completely in it. There were just some errors, particularly in the second half, that really let them down. Rob Valentini kicked them ball when they were, what, points up and kicked it straight back into the French and they were able to run it back out. And when we chose to, to make our changes off the bench, we had Bernard Furley, who is absolutely their game driver, and they pull him off in the last 10 minutes to support Reese Hodge. Was there really a reason to change him? So there are a few decisions that I'm sure they'll look back on and, and question, and they'll review that. But their biggest task, not their biggest task, but their next task now um, lies in Italy. So hopefully they can turn it around because this year the Wallabies have not won two consecutive games. Well, good luck to them as they take on Italy next like you say. Now, sticking with rugby, the Oceania Rugby Championships uh, took place over the last few weeks and uh, PNG uh, managed to get the job done and, and take home the title. They had um, two wins in, in the tournament. Vanuatu, they beat 39-13 and then the Solomon Islands, 22 points to 18, which uh, crowned them the tournament victors again. Congratulations. We know there's been a bit of a disruption with this competition. So to see PNG come out on top again is uh, quite exciting for their nation. It is exciting. And like I said, we'll hear more, hear more from Sydney later on. Now, the Rugby Sevens, the men, this is a huge victory uh, for the Australian men over in Hong Kong. A huge, a huge milestone for the Australian Sevens team. As you know, the Hong Kong Sevens have been taking place and Australia took Fiji on in the cup final and came away with a win 20-17. to 17. This is hugely exciting because I think we both have said it on the show before, the men aren't as competitive as the women, um, but to see them kick off their season this way is a huge, huge accomplishment. And also just want to give a shout out to John Menenti, their coach, who has also been nominated for Coach of the Year. That's a huge nomination. Good victory, like you said, over there in Hong Kong. Uh, Samoa took on France in the bronze medal match. Unfortunately, they couldn't get the job done. France winning 19-17. to 17. So look forward to hearing more about the Rugby Sevens as the season unfolds. And I also want to keep an eye on Samoa because I feel in past tournaments, they've edged really close, particularly in the final. So I think their, their gold, gold medal or their silver medal is coming. It's coming. Now, something we don't talk about often on this show is boxing, but there was a big fight with Sonny Bill Williams, who's a superstar across many codes, rugby, rugby union, sorry, rugby league, rugby union, and has had nine, now 10 fights in the professional arena of boxing. He took on Mark Hunt, who's a former UFC kickboxer. He's a hard, scary uh, man. He, he used to be a, a heavyweight fighter in the UFC, and he was well known for his knockout punches. He had such good striking ability. So this was a, a, a big built-up fight, unfortunately, for Sonny Bill. Um, he took a loss in the fourth round as a technical knockout. He was basically waved off by the, by the referee after Mark Hunt uh, dropped him once and then just unloaded a barrage of punches on him. And yeah, Sonny was not in a good way. Good stoppage by the, the referee. But Mark Hunt goes out on a high. That was his last, uh, well, he said it was his last fight that he'll be that he'll be having, 48 years of age. Not a bad effort against a much younger opponent and such an athletic opponent in Sonny Bill, but uh, vicious sport boxing. Yeah, one that I'm certainly not made for. We know that Sonny Bill obviously was the favourite or dubbed as the favourite for this. So I'm looking at, uh, I guess, the way he responded is he even used the word as a little bit embarrassed because he tried to go into a style of play that, you know, of a 
bit of a Samoan slog match and came out second best. So very unfortunate for LeBeau, but nonetheless, I'm sure, unlike Mark, he will have a few more fights down the track. Yeah, well, he kind of alluded that this this may be his last fight. They so. all say that. I know. They all say that. <laughs> he, he was very gracious in defeats, and he, he said is. some really nice things. And um, yeah, look, hopefully we see him step back in the, the professional arena in some capacity again, because he is such an athlete. But well done, Mark Hunt. Now, the AFLW finals week one took place over the weekend. The Brisbane Lions taking on the Richmond Tigers, and surprise, surprise, the Brisbane Lions 5-9-39 defeated the Tigers 3-4-22. Jesse Wardlaw, who we keep a a close watch on. She kicked another goal, first goal of the game. Um, she was a superstar, and this is how it went. Davidson had the sit, double grabber, 35 metres out, 45 degree angle to the left. You heard one of the crowd, Chewy on your boot, as she comes in. It certainly worked, the Chewy did. And oh. Wardlaw, what a beauty! Takes a ripper on the point of the goal square. Steps in and pops it through for Brisbane's first. Might bring Nelly in to have a look at the rest of the finals and, and how she sees it unfolding. Thank you for that lovely welcome, Hello. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is really exciting news. It does mean that they've actually won themselves a week off. Um, so they'll get to have a rest while uh, Richmond take on North Melbourne and Collingwood take on the Crows. Um, and they'll actually take on the winner of the Collingwood Crows match. I think it's going to be Brisbane, Melbourne in the final. Like I just can't see the other teams beating them because they have just been so strong all season. They've got the experience. They've got the track record, you know, so I just think it'll be those two. And I, I lean towards the lions just because they've so, been so consistent, but then the demons could be the fairy tale that comes through. So the Demons also got a week off, right? So they play the winner of Richmond and North Melbourne. They did. And they almost um, stole the minor premiership from the Brisbane Lions. So we were away last week having a little a little break. And um, the Lions ended up winning the premiership, but just by 0.3%. That just is insane. <laughs> because the Demons put on a 78-point win over the Gold Coast Suns in the final week. So they only, if they had just got one more point... They would have overtaken the lights. It's close. It's very close. It's now biting. So we're going to run with you, Melbourne Brisbane final. They get the week off. They're going to be fresh. They'll take out their preliminaries qualifiers. I can't remember what they call the prelims. Yeah. Prelims, and they'll, they'll be in the GF. All right. Yeah, I think so. I think you so. heard it here first. <laughs> Renell Moller just told you what the AFLW final will be. Don't base your tips on me. <laughs> Thanks for that, Nelly. Now on to the Rugby League World Cup. Bit going on in that world, starting off with the women's fixtures. Yes, there were some really big scores in round two of the World Cup with PNG 70 defeating Brazil 0. Obviously disappointing for Brazil, but they're very new into the game of rugby league over there and um, qualifying for the World Cup was a big step forward. Uh, PNG, we know, got some talent amongst the ranks there. New Zealand 34 beat the Cook Islands 4. A little bit closer this match. Um, the Cook Islands boasting some talent themselves, but New Zealand far too strong and then probably the the biggest the biggest result but also one that was that has few people thinking oh this is this is not good for rugby league australia a record setting 92 points to zero over france but um, this is how the game grows by giving exposure to these these countries that don't have a lot of uh, rugby league experience uh, playing against the likes of australia we know australia's got um, a professional competition now in the NRLW and um, they have 
got so much experience in terms of big game um, players amongst the ranks, but 92 points against France. Their biggest ring, pre- sorry, their biggest win uh, in their history previously it was 88 to nil over Canada in the 2017 World Cup, um, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. Jeez, Harlow, those are some big uh, score lines. But looking at the men's quarterfinal score lines, there are a few there that raise some eyebrows. Yeah, there are a few. The Australian team took on Lebanon. Obviously, Australia are hot favourites for this uh, World Cup in the men's. They won 48-4. to Lebanon had a pretty good tournament. They were, they were very happy with the way they played, but uh, outclassed in that one. England, 46, defeated PNG, 6. This was probably a bit of a surprise that PNG couldn't get closer considering they've had uh, a little bit of international experience over the last few years having matches played. England, far too strong. They're proving to be um, a bit of a handful in this um, tournament that they're hosting. And New Zealand, 24, defeated defeated Fiji 18. This was a really good match. Fiji took an early lead. Your brother Kevin was... Uh, he killed it. Played a starring role for Fiji. One, uh, sorry, scored two tries and some real cheeky ones as well. We'll chat. <laughs> We're actually going to chat to Kevin later and get yes. some thoughts on that one. Now, the match of the, the quarterfinals was probably Tonga versus Samoa. That one was um, an epic one, 20 to 18. Uh, Samoa taken out the game and, and after their first round loss to England, which was 60 points to six, I think from memory, um, this is a, a really good turnaround from then as they progress through to the semifinals to take on England. What I've loved most particularly about the Tonga Samoan one is the outpour of love from both communities all around the world. There are very, there are plenty actually proud Samoans. So it's just great to see um, Samoa put it over Tonga who were dubbed as the favourites for this one. Yeah, a great, a great return uh, to form from Samoa and showing what talent they have and what promise they have to maybe squeak through to the final. Yes. And last but certainly not least, week nine of the NFL. Highlight, you're an expert. Give it to us. Yeah. Oh, look, NFL's, I'm struggling at the moment because I'm in five leagues, as you know, and I'm sucking at my fantasy. I think I won <laughs> one out of five leagues. But in terms of our teams that, that, we've, uh, that we're following, unfortunately, nearly the Chicago Bears went down to the Miami Dolphins, 35 to 32, uh, to a tongue of Vailoa's back on deck for the Miami Dolphins and doing good things. The quarterback, uh, my team, the Green Bay Packers, they're having a, a wretched season. They're, they're, they're pretty ordinary at the moment. Um, so <laughs> they went down 15 to 9 against the Detroit Lions. Your team, Sarah, Jacksonville Jaguars, they got up against Las Vegas Ra- Raiders, I should say. And Las Vegas are having a good season. So this was a good win by Jacksonville, 27 points to 20. Now, one game that I'll quickly highlight the Tampa Bay Buccaneers took on the LA Rams. LA Rams are defending Super Bowl champs. They're having a pretty ordinary season, but they were ahead for a really low scoring match. They're ahead for um, most of it. It came down to the last. Last um, drive for the the Buccaneers, Tom Brady, the the veteran quarterback, drove him up the other end of the field, and I think with about 19 seconds on the clock, uh, scored a touch or threw a pass for a touchdown to their tight end Otto, which uh, was a a match winning play. Um, the Bucks stole one away from the Rams, and their their season continues um, to spiral downward. But um, for the Bucks, Vita Vea, who's uh, Tongan that plays defensive tackle for them, come up with two sacks taking down the quarterback for the Rams, Matt Stafford. So it was a really strong defensive performance from him and it went a long way to securing the victory for the Bucks. Tom Brady, he does it again. He does. He does it again, Tom. He's a bit of a genius. Been a funny year, for, not a funny year, but a, a retirement, retirement, divorce, divorce yeah. the comeback. There's been a lot of news off the field for Tom, but he produced on the field on this occasion. His best work is on field. Thanks so much, Thomas. <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> Noah time on Can You Be More Pacific? Joining us for Talanoa Time this week, we're very lucky to have Huddersfield-bound and Fiji Bati captain Kevin Nangama. 
Kevin, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Well, Kev, look, we actually want to get into the nitty-gritty. We know you've just come back from your World Cup campaign. The lead-up to the World Cup was insane. Um, give us a little bit of insight into that, and then we're going to get stuck into the competition itself. Yes, uh, the lead-up to it was um, uh, very different this time around compared to previous World Cups. Uh, when we went to camp, I think there was only nine boys available at the time. So uh, what happened was a lot of players had pulled out through injury um, that uh, Fiji Bharti didn't know about. So from the start, the get-go, we were already trying to find numbers to make up a squad. And when we flew to England, there was only nine players and three officials. Um, with the rest of the squad still being half of our, about three or four members being us over in England, other members still involved in finals football. And there were still spots where we were trying to look for players to fill um, at the time. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we finally found a 24-man squad um, the Saturday leading into the Australia game, which was pretty frantic. But um, in the end, we made it work. And um, just to describe the whole camp, it's always enjoyable for myself um, going into Fiji camps. I really enjoy those camps, always feel um, encouraged, challenged. And coming to those camps, I'm a better person. Uh, one of the things that I... I really like is our diversions that we do every morning. Um, our talatala, which is pasta, it brings a word in the morning where we all come together and um, fellowship. He shares a word from the Bible and we sing a couple of hymns in the morning. It's just a good way to get us all connected. Um, and then with, within in regards to our football, I was just really excited to see all these young players bloom. Um, it was a real new squad, um, a lot of players that I hadn't played with before and some players that I've never met as well. But um, I was really, it was really rewarding for myself to see their growth throughout the tournament and how confident they got um, game by game and really excited to see them progress from here and just watch their careers sort of flourish from afar. Kevin, do you, do you take a bit of pride in, in playing a role, I guess, in those young players coming through. You mentioned the tournament, how they grew as, as as individuals and you had some really good results through the middle where it looked as though you were building towards something special and um, that, that quarterfinal match against the Kiwis on the weekend was was probably a tough one because you've done so well for the majority of the game. But as a skipper, um, are you proud of playing a part in those players? Oh, 100%, mate. Like, I almost feel like a dad, like how watching these boys, um, you know, go head-to-head with some of the best players in the world. And, you know, some of these boys aren't even on NRL contracts. Some are playing Ron Massey Cup, New South Wales Cup, some even club football on the weekend. And to see them step up to these boys, um, it just made me so proud to watch them and um, just how how much they, how much confidence they got from it as well. You know, I was sure this is only the beginning for them. And I'm just really excited to see that. And it's just really, really rewarding as well. Um, to see those boys um, play really good football. Kev, you talk about the players that are up and coming. What are some names that we should be um, keeping an eye out for? Oh, there's a lot, to be honest. It's not just one or two. Um, obviously, our fullback is a is an excitement machine. Um, Sunya Taruva, and just to see, I'm sure everyone would have seen him in the World Cup, and especially in that New Zealand game, he's probably arguably 
one of the best players on the field. Um, he's one player to watch out for. I think this, that's Silver Young that was playing back row for us. Um, my first introduction with him was uh, when I came to the Roosters and just to see how much he's grown from as the season's gone on and then especially how he played for us in Fiji. He's um, one player that's definitely going to make his debut next year, I feel like, for the Roosters and someone that's going to have a big career in the NRL. Um, our, another one was our young hooker, Penny. Um, he came to us actually through Ron Massey Cup. He was playing um, his trade with the Silk Tails, which is where our brother Wes coaches. And the last time I played with him was in 2019 for Fiji. And he was a little small kid, um, very raw to the game. And he got opportunity to train with um, Bulldogs last preseason on a train and trial deal. And when I saw him coming to camp, he's grown immensely with um, his understanding and his knowledge of the game and his 40 IQ. And, you know, I feel like there's something brewing for him um, in the future. He's He only played Ron Massey Cup this year, but he did exceptionally well in that, that hooker role for us. Uh, there's a young front rower, Tavita Toloi. He was a young kid that came into camp um, probably after the Australia game that we played because of some boys getting injured. And uh, he's one kid I'm really excited to see. He's got his first... NRL um, preseason this year with Newcastle Knights and he does remind me of shades of the Safidi twins if I'm being completely honest. Um, real strong strong player, big big body and um, very versatile as well for how big he is and um, there's another kid uh, Taniela, he's currently doing his trade up at uh, Queensland Cowboys he's, a, he's actually a rugby co- um, convert, he played got, won a gold medal for Fiji Rugby Sevens and made the switch to rugby league and he was outstanding for us this tournament um first time i i got to see him play personally and a real big big body and um can he moves like an outside back he's one player that's you know exceptionally exciting to watch and i feel like he's going to do big things at, at the cowboys next year and you know i could go on and on about all these young players that are you know really exciting to watch and um those are just a, a few Thanks, Kevin. I certainly have a list now for, for next season. But, no, it's actually so cool to hear you name those players because I guess in the in the era that I grew up watching you play, you know, we saw the likes of Kane Evans, Junior Ringither be the household names, but to see them kind of move on and make space for the, the, the newer boys coming through, it's all really exciting. I guess a burning question I have is being on tour and just being on tour myself, I know that there are some highs and there's some lows. What would you say, if you had to pinpoint to, to one thing, what would be the hardest and the most lovable thing about tour? The a big tour like is, this where it's World Cup and you're away yeah. for six weeks. <laughs> the hardest thing is definitely being away from my family. Um, obviously, for the previous World Cups, I, I didn't have a partner or a, or a kid at the time, so it was sort of easy for me. But this was the first World Cup I've been involved in where I'm a husband and, and a dad. And um, the hardest thing was leaving my two girls, my wife and my baby girl, Maya, for so long being on the other side of the world. Um, that was definitely the hardest thing for me and, you know, something we had to navigate through together. And, you know, I was really proud of my wife, how she was able to, you know, look after my daughter, but also my sister, Randa, uh, my mom, my dad, you know, they definitely helped out. Uh, my cousin, Arietta, cooking meals for him. Now, you know, they say that saying, it takes a village to raise a, a kid and it was so true. And I was so happy for them to step in that gap while I was away. Um, and the most enjoyable thing about playing for Fiji is um, I think the freedom that we get. 
um, when you play with your people, you have the same sort of things in common um, in regards to food, music, same humor, and you just you just have the same things in common, and it really makes it enjoyable. So many laughs, pranks, um, and then I think the biggest thing is just we enjoy playing for Fiji. Um, there's no money that has to be involved to call for our patriotism to represent our country. We'll always do that in a heartbeat, and um, there will always be this the same sort of um, uh, commitment that all the boys have, and we really enjoyed that camp. You know, a lot of boys, the first time they had it, the opportunity to represent Fiji, but um, for me, that's definitely one of the most enjoyable things that I love about it. Well, Kevin, thank you, thank you very much. I should say for joining us on the show. Thank you to your daughter as well for popping Hi, in and, and giving a, a cameo appearance. That. No, that's great. It's good to she hear. Wants to have her say as well. <laughs> it's good to hear you back at home and uh, enjoying dad life. Uh, good luck with your next step as you head overseas again. And uh, thanks. Nick, cheers. Thank you, boys. Thank you for having us. Bye, <laughs> Maya. <laughs> that was too cute. That was Fiji Bati captain Kevin Nangama. We wish him all the best as he heads overseas to Huddersfield. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? You can ask that, our favourite segment, because we get to give our truthful opinion. Not that we that we withheld, withhold from doing it, but even more so. Hala, this week's question um, actually comes on the back of an article that was released. So first I'll say what the, the article is. Samu Karevi, a much-loved wallaby, he has come out and said that he was silenced from speaking out when the Israel Folau saga went down here in Australia a few years ago. So for a bit of context and anyone that isn't aware of it, Israel Folau posted um, a graphic on social media that I guess details who is going to hell and in it it uh, created, uh, or you could say it highlighted people and different stereotypes and uh, it really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and it was super, super controversial. And... Summer Karevi has just come out this week and said that him and a few other players were silenced by Rugby Australia from speaking out of their support for Israel Folau. So the question that I'm putting to you today and for us to both have a crack at is, what do you think about players speaking out about controversial issues? This is a big question, a tough question. It, obviously, the, the, the incident, you not the incident, but the issue that you're talking about was huge, made big headlines, Israel lost his contract and we got stood down at the time and then went through a whole uh, legal mess with Rugby Australia. It got resolved quietly off the side, but he, he no longer plays in, in professional rugby union. So it was, um, it was big at the time. And I guess in terms of the question, players speaking out of controversial issues, I, I guess it depends on how, how much knowledge they have on an issue or how passionate they are about an issue if it, if it lines up with their values. This is uh, a religious issue, so it, it, it definitely stirs a lot of conversation for a lot of people in different ways. Um, and I, the one thing that I've always thought about if you want to speak up about something, and it's great to have belief in something and, and support something and speak up about something, but if, if you don't have knowledge on, on an issue, uh, then it can be um, – you could be lining yourself up for some – uh, some flack if if you if you can't support what you're saying with evidence or or facts or, or at least a good argument something strong argument sometimes 
I think athletes come out and will say things at a whim because it's the popular thing to say at the time or, or whatever. And, and if it's not supported by some good knowledge on a topic, then you get found out eventually. I don't know. What do you think, Sarah? No, I think all of those things that you said are valid. I feel like athletes are a lot more comfortable to speak about speak out about things that they feel some way about. And I think we saw that um, earlier this year in the NRL with the Manly players refusing to wear um, the rainbow jersey. We saw in recent weeks Danielle Wallum speaking out as well about the sponsorship stuff in the world of netball. And I know that like as an athlete, I certainly face things within my sport that I think are unfair and unjust. And often I don't speak out about it because one, I'm scared of losing my contract or, um, you know, being held accountable to it. But I also know that as an athlete, I'm given a platform that is not given to everyone else. So I've often feel challenged and I feel like our producer here, Nelly has, you know, often challenged me of like, how do you want to choose to use your voice when you have the power to influence people? And so I think it, it's this, this dance between being courageous enough to speak out, but then also like, withholding in in certain ways so that you don't put yourself in the firing line. And often I feel like, oh, am I being a bit of a coward for like not speaking up or not having a say? But I think often the lack of knowledge to be able to back myself up in, in you know, if questions come firing my way um, has often kept me bunkered down and being like, oh, just don't do anything or don't say anything. There's a reality, right? And what you were just saying there and that you, you are contracted, uh, well, say in, in Israel's um, instance, he's contracted to Rugby Australia and they took issue with um, code of conduct with what he was saying. And it's the same for anyone else. I think that sort of pulls back or doesn't say things when they have a platform is that if they risk their contract, they're risking the reality of that's where their money comes from, which yeah. supports your life. And and I, I know I've sort of crossed this bridge a lot here in, on the show as well with myself. I work at the NRL. So there's often things that the NRL do that a lot of people don't agree with and they will take issue with. Um, there can be controversy from that end. And, and I feel I sit on the fence a lot with things because that's what pays the food that goes on the table for my kids and the roof that goes over their head for my family. So you, you do hold back. But then when there's issues that you know that you can be passionate about and speak up about, then um, if you've got the platform to do it, you can have such an influence, like you say before. And I think players or athletes are starting to realise that more, that they can, as a collective, have weight in what they say and have a voice, and um, even individually. And, and I think we see it a lot more now where, where people are, athletes, I should say, are more willing to stand up and talk about issues that they feel strongly about. Beautifully said, Holland. I think there's two things that come to mind just hearing you speak. And the first one is activism has many lanes. It doesn't look like going online and being super loud about it on socials. Sometimes it'd be about donating to that organization, but you know, your left hand doesn't need to know what your right hand's doing. And like, so the world out there doesn't always need to know about it. So that's one thing I will say about that is that, you know, regardless of what you believe or what you advocate for, there are many lanes that you can, uh, many ways, sorry, that you can show that support. And the second thing is people don't, yes, the the contract piece of trying to, you know, secure yourself and your finances is very important, particularly if sport is your mainstream of income, but then also the cancer, cancel culture that exists is so damn real. <laughs> and you can go from being everyone's hero to nothing real quick. So, yeah. um, you know, that's also something that I feel um, influences people's ability to to stay quiet about some certain things. So on the note of Summer Karevi, because that's kind of the question or the, the article that brought this all up, do you think that that actually happened, that Rugby Australia told them not to say anything? 
Well, I'm not too sure, but I look forward to seeing ABC actually has put this documentary together on, on Israel Folau. So I look forward to seeing that documentary and seeing what, I think it's the 19th of November, it, it, 21st of November it comes out. Thank you, Nelly. So I look forward to, to watching that and seeing, because it's a, a pretty big thing to come out now about that and, and, and be gagged by the organisation just to show support. So um, yeah, we'll wait and see. To answer my own question that I ask you, Summer Kerb is actually a really close friend of mine, so I don't actually believe it's out of the realm of possibility that he was healed. You know, there was some conversation about, you know, stay quiet about everything that you believe or your support. So, again, I'm looking forward to this documentary that will be aired here on ABC. So I'm sure we will uh, have a debrief once we watch that documentary. We certainly will. Now, if you have a question, you can send it through to our DMs on Instagram, at Sarah Nangama, and I'm at Dean Holotel. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. You're with Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Don't go anywhere. We've still got our favourite socials and we tackle the tough headlines in the ruck. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Time to hit the social pages. Sarah, what have you come up with this week? What's what's taking your eye? Well, as we know, the Women's Rugby World Cup is taking place in New Zealand. And uh, one girl, Ilona Mart, who is uh, a player herself, she has been doing some broadcast stuff from the sidelines, but they mic'd her up for the final between the Black Ferns and France. And her reaction, particularly in the final moments, were recorded. And you need to hear this for yourself. Make this kick. It will pretty much secure the game for them. Don't kick it. Now kick it. <laughs> but, you know, it just begs the question, what kind of spectator are you? She's obviously the vocal one. I can certainly uh, – uh, her style resonates with me because it's very similar to mine. Are you that kind of person? I wouldn't say I'm that type of person. I do get excited on occasion watching footy, but I don't, um, I don't get that far into it, I guess. You're a fist pumper. A fist pumper? Yeah, silent. <laughs> <laughs> silent fist pumper. <laughs> I love that, but that reaction was unreal. I just like natural, like fully into it and an honorary Kiwi, I'd say after that. Yeah, absolutely. What about you? What did you find? Well, I mentioned earlier that it was a a huge game in the quarterfinals of the Rugby League World Cup, uh, the Toa Samoa taking on the Matamaatonga. And before the match, they have their traditional war dancers or the Sivatau and the Sipitau, which uh, were unreal. They went toe to toe and they went back and forth and the... Toa Samoa Instagram page, they have um, some side-on footage, which uh, was pretty amazing to capture it up close and edited well together. I think it's Arthur Meredith that, that does it. He's um, a bit of a content creator from here in Sydney, Samoan guy, but um, this is how it sounded. <laughs> Ooh, 
So powerful. So powerful. It was really um, confrontational. It was like lots of energy. And um, after they finished, they, they embraced, they, they shook hands. And uh, it was just a, a really cool moment. And, and the match matched what was um, p- before the match, I should say. And um, the Samoans, the Silver Tower, taking it out. Beautiful display of culture and good find, Hala. That's nice from you. Nice, Hala. In the ruck. Tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? In the ruck this week, there are a few tough headlines to tackle and I don't think it gets as tough as this one, but the New Zealand flights, or the players for New Zealand, their flights have already been booked to come back um, home after their semi-final against Australia. Yes, the New Zealand Kiwis in the Rugby League World Cup taking on the Aussies. The organisers have booked, or apparently booked their flights uh, for the next day to Because return. they're not expecting New Zealand to win against Australia. Yeah, they think they got caught out last week uh, in the quarterfinals with um, Tonga, Tonga losing and they, they'd um, had to rush to or scramble to book the flights for Tonga so they wanted to be prepared to not cost them so much. I'm, I'm just assuming this is where they've gone with it, but um, yeah. I don't know if they've done the, I don't know if they put holds on for the Australians as well, just in case, because they could get bitten in the butt here and it could go the other way. I mean, I think what's the most disheartening part about this is that the organisers are already expecting New Zealand to lose. We know that Australia is a formidable side. They're super competitive. They've flushed everyone so far. Um, but as a New Zealand player, I feel like all it's done, and they've even said this themselves, is that it's added fire to their belly to make sure that they put the Aussies back on the plane. Maybe they just take their take their tickets. Take their tickets? Yeah. If the Kiwis win, then the Aussies will just, I don't know, they'll just match them up and take their tickets. I mean, that's a fair argument, <laughs> so I can't really say anything about it. I mean, I can totally empathize with the New Zealanders because, yeah, I try to change my flight to extend it in New Zealand after we got knocked out by England, and apparently our tickets couldn't be changed. And I was like, that doesn't make sense the tickets would always have to remain open because how about if we were going through to the cup final, like, you know. So they ruled you out. Look, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm seeing similarities here. So there is potential that organisers have to put in or they probably select who they think is going to be returning home after big, like, knockout um, fixtures. Okay. I think this is a big gamble if that's the case with the Kiwis. I know. I could be, um, I could get a chance. Well, whatever. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, staying with the World Cup and the Women's World Cup, there's been some blowouts and there's been a bit of a question mark over the 80-minute games that have been played uh, here in the NRLW in Australia. There's 70-minute matches. Um, I'm not too sure about all the other competitions around the world, but what are your thoughts on the 80-minute matches and the blowout scores that we're seeing? I think that the 80-minute matches don't necessarily uh, suit all of the nations that are currently competing. We saw it in the in the, in the scorelines this week, you know, Australia putting on huge performances, like 80-plus points, and then the opponent not putting anything on the board. That is saying something. Um, the way that I think that the competition should work out is perhaps qualifiers need to happen because truth of the matter is no one really is on par with New Zealand and Australia. Those are the two teams that I think will be in the final um, the the minutes or the extended minutes is so different for a lot of girls because if you go from playing club footy where you play 70 minutes, then you go into your bigger fixtures like State of Origin and that 70 minutes, and then you go to test matches and then it's now 80 minutes, yeah, sure, that might suit the Aussie and the New Zealand girls, but does that suit Brazil who are a new nation? It, you know what I mean? I just don't think it's um appropriate to play that amount of minutes if that's not 
what's being played consistently throughout the year because it's a huge jump. And in that 10 minutes, not only do you feel it, like people might say, oh, yeah, it's an extra 10 minutes. Man, you feel that 10 minutes. The intensity of the game can drop. The the competitiveness also of the match can drop. So I think what the biggest takeaway from it is decide on how many minutes needs to be played and play that at every single level so that when you get to test match 40, you don't see these huge blowouts. Yeah. Look, and blowouts happen at, at, at any at, at any sp- level, yes. Any sport, true. but often in rugby league, they do happen in the, the last period, either before halftime or at the end of the game. As you say, there's a bit of attrition, like the, the, the fatigue builds up and there can be uh, some real uh, um, really poor periods of football played and it happens in, in any blowout. I, I guess it's a, an issue for the the organisers as to what they think is uh, an acceptable level of blowout. Like if you get three or four tries in the last 10 minutes because everyone's fatigued on the losing side and it's just become a, a bit of a whitewash, it just rolls through, then yeah, I don't know. I guess... I think eighty minutes. I think eighty minutes is is what it should be. Yeah, um, just play that consistently at every level. Then consistently. So good point. I like that, Sarah. Staying with rugby league, the NRLW draw has been delayed due to some CBA negotiations that are still underway. Yeah, well, the CBA hasn't been negotiated for uh, either the men or the women in the NRL and NRLW, but um, the NRLW. Uh, leadership group, the RPA NRLW leadership group has come out and said that they, um, they're not happy obviously with the fact that the, um, CBA hasn't negotiated, hasn't been negotiated on, there's been five years of the NRLW and, uh, they want some, I guess, certainty around what's going on next year with the competition. It's expanding to 10 teams. It's going to look a little bit different, but their contracting agreements haven't been set. So um, it's, it's happening in both in both competitions at the moment, although the men's draw was released today. So um, the NRLW being delayed and, and, and the players have come together and said that they're not going to, um, they don't want the draw to come out yet because they haven't agreed to the CBA, which um, fair statement. is fair for them. Yes. I'm sure there'll be more of that to come in the next week. But to end on a lighter note, as we know, a new team will be joining the NRL next year, which does make the numbers odd, meaning every week a team will have a bye. Yes, there's going to be a bye each week, including Magic Round, which every team loves to get to. Everyone loves Magic Round. We love Magic Round. So a team will miss out on Magic Round. Now, how do you think it should be decided that a team misses out on Magic Round? Well, I want to flex Rinell, our producer's idea. She said it should be the wooden spoon from the previous year. Yeah, which would make it the Tigers from last year. But and you're not a fan of that. Anyway, let's maybe we can push that to next year. Because anyway. <laughs> this is the like, next year will be the year of the Tiger. It's, it's going to be it's going to be ongoing, right? So I think what they should do is just um, draw it out of a hat. Draw it out of a hat. Because and the reason I say this, right? I reckon there are two weekends that every NRL player looks forward to: Magic Round and Finals. If they're in there, right? Like the like Grand Final. Yeah, yeah. So. That's unfair. You can't just be like, oh, you can't play the final. Like, really? Or you can't play in the magic round. Like, why don't you just draw it out of a damn hat? I don't know if I don't know if teams players actually look forward to magic round that much because it's it's a bit hectic. You don't sometimes you get dudded on hotels because everyone's in the city at the same time, right? But teams will often fly in and fly out like really quickly so that they don't get their following week disrupted or there's there's too many people in town. That it's not like they're enjoying the footy festival. Like the fans love it because it's like footy back-to-back all day for three days. Yeah, right. But I don't know if the players get the same kind of sense of it. So some might be happy to miss out. Mm, really? But the clubs, the clubs, I think, are different because they get – How will, How do you think the NRL will choose which team misses out? Um, What's likely? Well, I, all I know is that the, the draw process itself, itself is really complex. They go through like hundreds of different versions of the draw before they get to the final one. They've got – 
broadcast um, demands. They've got club wishes. They've got um, to fit like stadium and venue uh, higher into into it as well because we don't have exclusive rights over every venue in the competition. So it's pretty complex, the entire draw. So you move something somewhere. Everything moves. Something else moves. There's, they call it the carpet bubble effect, right? You push down, it comes up somewhere else. So <laughs> um, I think that's, yeah, I don't know how they get, how they, they will decide it or how they, they pick that. I think it's just tough luck on, on, that, um, on that year if you miss out. But oh. last place, as Nelly said, Rock, scissors, paper with all the captains from Draw every team. Draw a name out of a damn hat. Losing team or whoever gets out first. No, no. Whoever wins gets to pick the team that misses out. You know what sound effect I want to make when we find out who that team is? <laughs> ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Unfortunately, that's all we have time for. Yes, so if you miss the show or you just want to listen to the magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2pm BNG time, or you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you want more sport, you can check out That Pacific Sports Show on Wednesday night or catch up on ABC Australia iView. More there. Otolokia. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.